Hello, my name is Lauren, and I am this year's host of Calvin Startup's Beyond Ethical podcast. Today, we welcome on the show Joanna Bohr. Joanna is the founder and director of Empire Jane, a homeware company based out of Lagos, Nigeria, that aims to export Nigerian culture to locals, expats in Nigeria, and the global travel market. She started this company in 2012, and it has been growing ever since until her recent move to Michigan. Joanna, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So just a bit of context for who you are. Can you tell us where you are from? Where I'm from? It's such an interesting question, right? So I was born in Trinidad and Tobago, Caribbean islands in, in, in the Caribbean. Yeah, exactly. Right north of Venezuela. So born there and raised there and then came to the U.S. at about age 17 to start school. And since then, have lived in countries all over the world, but most recently in Nigeria. I was there for 12 years before coming back here to the U.S. Okay. So in 2012, so about 10 years ago now, you started Empire Jane. Can you tell us a little bit about where Empire Jane comes from and how long this company had been coming? Sure, yeah. So I... Before moving to Nigeria, we lived in Nairobi, Kenya, a beautiful place. We just loved being there. And we often liked taking gifts from Nairobi and and from Kenya when we traveled home, right? Mm -hmm. Living in East Africa, it was not easy for friends and family to come and visit. So one thing we did is we wanted to take a bit of Kenya back to them. And so that was always good fun, going to the markets and just finding beautiful, handmade, local crafts to take home. So when we moved to Nigeria in 2011, I had the same kind of thought. You know, again, it's not easy for family and friends to always come and visit. So rather, let me take a little bit of my home to them. And I actually had difficulty finding some of these things, right? I mean, they were things made, you know, locally in the markets. There were things here and there, but nothing really done to very high quality, right, which surprised me. I would say Nigeria at that point in around 2011, 2012, had a very strong import culture, right? So this idea that everything good kind of came from outside, right? It was very interesting. So you got lots of imports, South African goods, even Kenyan, right? India, Dubai, China, as the case might be. But I thought, gosh, no, where are the things that are locally made, right? Like I was looking for that made in Nigeria tag. And I knew that there was a lot of possibility for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Nigerian fashion is actually amazing. They're amazing fashion houses in Lagos. So I knew somebody was doing work, right, making things locally of really high quality. But not everyone maybe wants to wear fashion, right? And fashion is actually a very hard gift to give if you think about it. So I thought, gosh, you know, if I couldn't find these gifts, I couldn't find these gifts. Maybe if I started making some things, you know, on my own, I could help fill this gap, right? Locally made, high quality gifts, fully Nigerian content, right? Showcasing Nigeria. Maybe people would respond. So it really kind of came out of my need of looking for these things and this context of what I had seen done in, in Nairobi. So that fed the idea. And yeah, here I was faced with my own need looking for these things. And I thought maybe others will also respond well to some of these items. And so really, that's just how it started. 
me looking mm -hmm. for some of these items. So how long had you been in country before you noticed this gap in the market? Yeah, so good question. I probably noticed it right away. And I remember the first year, you know, going to the markets. I mean, and the African markets are a treasure trove. I mean, it is so fun shopping in the African markets. <laughs> I loved it. And so I would go through and I would have my list of family and friends and I would buy jewelry and, you know, carvings and all of these things. And I was so excited. And then, you know, somehow when they came on this side, the quality just didn't hold up, right? It just, they looked, like I said, a little bit piecemeal, a little bit rudimentary. And so I had this observation, you know, and I kept thinking, gosh, there's so much hair, we could actually improve on it, you know. And again, you know, I'm very fortunate to have traveled. And of course, like I mentioned in, in Kenya, but also in other places I'd, places I'd traveled to, I saw ways in which these very things could somehow be in, enhanced and kind of just leveled up a bit to make the gifts just a little bit more meaningful and to get that messaging of quality and things being well done to get that message across. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it, it was a bit of a journey for sure. And, and even just having the confidence to think, you know, this is something I could do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So was there a specific experience you had in those trips to the market or outside of that that motivated you to create your own company rather than utilizing an existing company? Well, I couldn't find it, right? I couldn't find the things. Like I said, fashion was amazing. And, you know, the, the, the women in Lagos, the way they dress, well, not even the women, the men. I mean, the style is just incredible. And actually, for another podcast, I'll tell you about how, you know, dressing in mm -hmm. Nigeria, like, kind of helped me develop my own sense of style. But I wasn't, fashion is hard for gifts, you know, and I really just wanted kind of, easy gifts, but also gifts that really showcase the place that I lived, the color, the humor, you know, just the day-to-day the -day things that just speak about where, where I lived. And I couldn't find it, you know. And so I guess, yeah, it was just me realizing, well, if I couldn't find it and I did look, um, gosh, you know, what's the worst? If I, if I made a few things and nobody responded, you know, Worst case scenario, I'd have all these gifts I could give to yeah. my own friends, you know, but best case scenario, people would really like it and I was maybe on to something. Mm -hmm. So again, like any business idea, I guess there was a little bit of a risk. But yeah, not being able to find the things was definitely, I, I saw the gap in the market for sure. Mm -hmm. It's very different now. You know, the, the, yeah. the sector that came behind Empire Jane has really grown and there's so many options now. I mean, I am so proud to say that actually for the sector, in the locally made sector in Nigeria, it's incredible mm -hmm. beyond fashion, the kinds of things that you can get that, that showcase Nigeria and, and its craft and its style. Yeah, so back then it was different, but clearly it was time. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like kind of at the same time you were starting, there were some other entrepreneurially minded people with yeah. the same like Noticing this gap, like there's more well, that can be done. I mean, I don't like giving myself credit, but I think in all fairness, I think I might have started this, this, this movement. I remember speaking to a really good Nigerian friend and right at the beginning, it was probably in the first few months of this business and she, we, we were both showing, she had a, a business as well. 
And she did house plans. They were beautiful. Anyways, and we were at this, we would call them bazaars, right? And so it would be like a seasonal thing where all these vendors would come and showcase their goods. And I was, I always felt a bit like, how could I have this business? You know, I am not even Nigerian. Like, would people say that? How dare you take, you know, our content? And, and so I was always a little bit worried, you know, about the response. And she came to me, and she's like, wow. She's like, you know, I am so proud of you. I'm so happy you did this. And she said, sometimes it takes an outsider to see what we can't see, mm. and that these things that are just part of our daily life and just part of our world, that somehow there's something worth showcasing there. And it was incredible. I mean, people responded so well. So expats, Nigerians also responded well. And I think in a way that my brand was able to pave the way for others to come behind and say, oh, wow, yeah, that's right. Mm. There is something amazing and really meaningful here. I mean, I can't give you data to back that up except my own kind of experience of what I was looking for, couldn't find, and then the things that somehow came behind Empire Jane. But yeah, it was, however you want to put it, it was incredible to be the early part of that movement. Mm -hmm. Let's put it like that. Mm -hmm. Yes. So for those who don't know, what is the product of Empire Jane? Yes. And what does Empire Jane mean? Yes. So... Empire Jane is basically just a gift and houseware business, right? So we manufacture things like pillows. Like my a, pil- a pillow was my first item, and the first des- des- design that I had for my pillow was Oga at the top. And so the year that I started the business, there was this really funny video of I want to say someone very high up in the Nigerian army being interviewed. And in Nigeria, an Oga is the boss, mm-hmm. right? But you could, you could call anybody your Oga. You know, you can call your boss your Oga, or you might call your, your driver your Oga, or whatever. It's a very common word. And so in this interview, some, a reporter was asking this maybe army general or somebody high up in the army a certain question. And we don't even remember what the question is. But there was this very funny answer. And he says, well, I don't know. You have to ask my Oga at the top. And it just became this funny, like we would call it a meme, right? Mm -hmm. This idea that, yes, I am the Oga, but there is someone Mm -hmm. above me, and he's the one that has the answer. (laughs) And so it very quickly became just kind of like the buzz thing around town, that you're not just an Oga, you're the Oga at the top. And so that was my very first design. And so we printed it on a pillow. And it was such a hit, right? Like everybody wanted to get it for the Mm -hmm. husband, for the boss, for the dad. It was just, it did really, really well. And so that was the first pillow. And then we did many pillows after that. And actually, I think the pillows are probably the thing I'm known most for. Mm -hmm. And by me, I mean Empire Jane. Um, A lot of people have me saved in their phone as the pillow lady, (gasps) which which always cracks me up. But there was one person who had me saved as the nice pillow lady, which, you know, I liked that yep. one a little bit better. <laughs> so we started with pillows, but then I did silk scarves mm-hmm. and totes and pocket squares for men and hair accessories. And, you know, we finally did some jewelry, table linens, runners. Yeah, hosts of things, mostly textile, mm-hmm. you know, manufacturing. 
and um, which makes good sense because if you know anything about the Nigerian markets and all of that, fabrics mm-hmm. galore, right? When you think of Nigerians and the way they dress and their style, what do you see? You see that colorful picture, right, of their style and their clothing. So I found that it was kind of a very straightforward um, type of manufacturing to do, textile manufacturing. And yeah, so not fashion, mm-hmm. but everything else for the home and for gifts. The same color and vibrancy as is in the fashion industry. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, mm-hmm. but for your home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly so, mm-hmm. yes. So with your external eye coming in and looking at this Nigerian culture that is so rich and vibrant, how would you describe this the story of Nigeria that you were incorporating into your work? You've touched on it a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I love Nigeria and I love Nigerian people. And when I look at them, you know, it's obviously, it can be a difficult place to live, you know, for a variety of reasons. But Nigerians are just, able, they are so resilient. Mm-hmm. And not just resilient, but they can laugh. And I think it's probably the secret to how they, you know, get through some of these things that are difficult and that, frankly, might just finish everyone else. You know, they are just able to persevere. And so kind of a big theme with Empire Jane, it was always positive, right? The whole point of the of the company and the brand and the messaging was to be positive. But I think it's actually positive to poke fun of at yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you know, so the 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 kinds of things we did were just yeah, like the ogre at the top. And then there was another very popular phrase that we used all the time and that I'm even tempted to use here and I have to remember I'm no longer in Nigeria. And that's no wahala, right? And so no wahala essentially means no problem, right? So you know, you get in your car and you're thinking it's just a 15-minute drive and it turns into an hour because of some unpredictable traffic. Mm-hmm. You know, you sit in your car and you text your friend and you say, look, I'm going to be late. And they respond, no wahala, right? And it's just a phrase that we got very used yeah. to saying because at the end of the day, no biggie, no problem. We're yes. going to get through. We will get there eventually. And so the no wahala pillows exactly were another really popular line. Actually, it became even more popular than the Oga at the top, the first one. Because when you think of Nigeria, you have to have that no wahala mm-hmm. mentality. You know what? Something may go wrong. Something might not be ideal, but no problem. We will manage. Yeah, so lots of color. Yeah, everything kind of humorous and positive that was just specifically Nigerian, right? Like you needed a little bit of that context to understand mm-hmm. some of these designs. and But because of that context, they meant a lot to you, right? Like the message was mm-hmm. there. Even in just a simple phrase, you're like, oh, yeah, you, you, that. you that got it. That tells a story. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm. So you're from Trinidad and Tobago. Yes met and married a man who was culturally Nigerian and then moved there and lived in country for quite a while. Yes. And you've obviously, you're telling the beautiful Nigerian story through your products. Is, has there been a time where bits of Trinidad and Tobago culture have made their way into your products as well as they yeah. are a part of you or has it been mostly Nigerian? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I am Trinidadian and like very proud to be Trinidadian and I actually see a lot of similarities actually between 
Trinidadians and Nigerians. Yeah, I mean, you know, Caribbean people, there's just, we love color and we like zest for life. And we also love humor. We laugh at things and, you know, laughter is so key for us. So maybe not directly did I kind of bring any of my Trinidadian-ness into my designs. But I think, again, back to what my friend said about being an outsider, right? And sometimes the outsider can see things that the insider can't for whatever reason. So, yeah, maybe there were things that I that, that I picked up that maybe a Nigerian would not have, that like, oh, that would actually make a really good product or yeah. that would be a really good t- tagline, you know, for, for an item or whatever. But, yeah, I think I, I feel very Caribbean in my essence, and that actually is very similar to Nigeria. So maybe there was a little, maybe that made it easy, mm. you know, in terms of me kind yeah. of being able to, identify these things and celebrate it. So maybe, yeah. Not as as distinctly, but there's a lot of similarities between the two cultures. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting question. I'm going to have to think about it Mm. a little bit more, but I can't think of any direct, you know, Trinidadian kind of design or anything like that that would have come through. I think, no, just, yeah, maybe just the color and the zest Mm -hmm. for life and that kind of energy that tropical kind of vibe yeah Yeah. (laughs) so prior to starting Empire Jane did you have an entrepreneurial bent before this that motivated you towards starting this business has this been something you've always been interested in or is this a bit of a new venture yeah it's a really good question and actually back to I think you had asked earlier about Empire Jane and, and, and the meaning behind the name and so actually when I was in in Kenya I'd had, I, I came up with the name then. So I guess maybe I did have that kind of leaning because um, I, I thought about starting a business then. And, you know, normally as an, when an expat or an expatriate, right, which I think most people know what that means, right? It's when you mm-hmm. are a foreigner working and living in another country. And so I always had the challenge of having my own work permit, right? A lot of times it was kind of the husband or whoever was kind of the lead that would have the legal rights to work in, in a particular country. So oftentimes, and, and more often than not, for whatever reason, the wife, the trailing spouse, right? That, that's the actual HR term. You would have to kind of think of, well, what could you do for meaning? You know, certainly you could also work, but it was a little bit more paperwork, right, to get the kind of right visas and all of that as an expat to be able to work as well. In a lot of countries, there's kind of a protectionist policy that jobs should, you know, as much as possible be there for locals, correct? Mm -hmm. So you always kind of have to think about, well, what could I do? What is something meaningful I could do? And so, yeah, even when we lived in Kenya, I, I had this idea of maybe I could do some kind of business, but I was always thinking fashion, right? Because I'd always enjoyed fashion. My mom was a seamstress. And so this was something that I had in mind. And so the name actually started in Kenya, because for some reason, I guess I thought I needed to develop the brand first before I developed the idea. I don't know if that's the order it's done now. Maybe that's not what they teach at business school. But anyways, that's how it worked for me. And I just liked how it sounded, Empire Jane. I thought it had this nice rhythm, number one. But it was really a brand that I wanted to target towards women. I understand women to be shoppers. And, you know, we have a different kind of response to beautiful things, in my opinion. Again, it's not backed by any data. I hope no one is offended that I'm <laughs> saying that. But, yeah, I had this idea it would be a brand primarily targeted to women. 
And I use the word Jane because I, when I think of Jane, I think of any woman, right? Mm-hmm. It could be someone that's old or young, Asian or North American, or it didn't kind of look like Jane, in my opinion, didn't look a particular way. It could be any woman. And I liked Empire because I thought of this Jane as being very confident and kind of being in charge of her world in, in a way, she, you know, the world was her empire and she was this strong, confident woman who had a lot of direction. And she was a very intentional woman, even with the things she bought, right? So she wanted to buy things that had meaning, that had a story and things that added value. She knew where it came mm-hmm. from and she didn't mind spending her money and purchasing this way. And so this is the idea for the company, Empire Jane, any woman, somebody strong and confident who was, yeah, in charge of her world, who was very, very strong woman in her, in her own right. Mm-hmm. And so I had the name and then met with this great business oppo- opportunity in, in Nigeria when I saw this gap in the market. And the two just mm-hmm. kind of came together like that. So you had the idea prior to moving to Nigeria and then you saw this like, oh, yeah. And this is what the product is. This is okay. what the product, yeah. Because yes. like I said, I thought of fashion, you know, but fashion is actually very difficult mm-hmm. and it's an incredibly saturated sector. So fashion is hard, you know. I mean, it's all hard, you know, but I actually feel, again, because fashion is so advanced and sophisticated already, and I didn't feel like there was necessarily a place, but I think I keyed in to the right type of product and item with, mm-hmm. with the pillows and the totes and, and things like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So in a moment of honesty, can you share how much your day-to-day work yes. in your job was ballasted by previous courses and degrees? Yes. And how much of it was just learned on the job? Yeah, well, so much of it was learned on the job. I think the only thing I got from any past training or any past degrees or studying was just how to finish, right? Mm -hmm. Was just how to be diligent and keep going. In all honesty, right? Because yes, I I trained in in various subjects and topics, but the context I was working in was just so different and so unique. And, you know, being a small business, you're kind of doing everything, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so I was you know, in the markets, getting the fabric. I was also doing the design. I was also sourcing machinery and doing HR, right? So I have a big mm-hmm. HR component and lots of HR training, but it was a completely different environment that I had trained for. So to be honest, and a lot of times, and maybe that's the whole thing about liberal arts education too, I don't know. It's just oftentimes you learn how to learn, mm-hmm. right? And you learn how to finish and you learn how to push through and you learn how to yeah, just just get to the end, you know. But it was such an incredible journey for me to like be self-taught in this way. Mm-hmm. And just again have this idea and start. I mean, I knew nothing really about graphic design, about illustration work, about manufacturing of 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 you know, textile soft furnishings. I learned so much. I learned mm-hmm. about the design, you know, including seam allowances for sewing. I mean, so many very technical things that you would not think of about prototyping. And then I had to learn about marketing on my own, right? So just there in the moment, like, oh, I have this amazing product. Okay, well, how are we going to get them? Mm -hmm. Okay, 
what is Instagram? Mm-hmm. You know, because <laughs> at some point everyone yeah. was using Instagram, and I thought, oh, this is something. Yeah. So, okay, let me learn Inst. So just totally in the moment, on the job, let's keep moving, you know, let's, uh, I mean, it was incredible. I mean, I'm so glad for the business school and for business schools and startup garage and things like that, that, you know, the youth now coming up with these ideas, there's so many resources. So you don't have to learn the way I learned, Mm -hmm. right, which is on the job, the long way, probably the hard way, right? Now there's just this information there, you have the experts who can help you, you know, get to where you're going quicker. And so it's incredible. So I often think, gosh, you know, if I actually had business training or some kind of marketing training, how much better it might have been, you know, at the same time. I mean, I don't regret my experience at Mm -hmm. all. You know, it was, it was incredible. It was incredible. And, you know, we did what we had to do. But yeah, I think any training that I got before that was just, yeah, how to finish what I started. And it sounds like you were learning in every aspect of the business how to do it on the fly. And so it grew your business, and it sounds like it also grew you personally oh, in this process. Incredibly, yeah. incredibly. I mean, truly, 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 yeah. I mean, when I think of Empire Jane, from this idea in my head, you know, from one little pillow, one little design, you know, from hauling shelves in vans to places to be, you know, five o'clock in the morning, having to queue and then get in and move things and set up the stage and you're tired and you don't even have a minute to drink water and then displaying your goods and then having people come and you're just hoping they like it Mm -hmm. and you're just hoping you can just sell enough just to pay your staff and just get through to the next design the journey of being there to the point of then having your own shop and then having the duty-free say we want to carry your things to having Mm -hmm. listen you know incredible the journey you know and the kind of satisfaction that you get from bringing just this idea to life incredible like I don't know how else I would have gotten that without maybe having gone through all of that so yeah nothing lost I wouldn't do anything differently in all honesty it sounds like that reward was much more valuable because of the amount of work you put in and I think that's that's the case and this is what I tell my children all the time So the harder the effort, the more you put into it, the harder you work. I promise you, I promise you with with everything, the better the satisfaction, the more sacrifice, Mm -hmm. the more risk, the more of the just pouring out. Once you get where you're going, and nobody can take it from you. Nobody can take it away from you. And it is the best feeling in the world, you know, yeah, I, I I totally have enjoyed my journey. And I think, again, back to the startup garage and the business school and all of that, it certainly doesn't do away with that experience, right? It just means you can start stronger, mm-hmm. right? You still have to put in the work. Mm-hmm. You still have to sweat it out. You still have to have yeah. those nights when you're up thinking, can I pay my staff? What do I have to do? Does this design suck? You know, what you're still going to need that stress yeah. and you're still going to need that sacrifice. And I would say without that, hmm. I don't know. You know, I don't know how successful you're going to be because I think those ingredients are key to success, to be honest, mm-hmm. right? I think you, you, you feel so much closer to your product, and I think that shows, you know, the more sacrifice and effort you put into it. So, But with courses available and this kind of, of mentorship, mentoring that you get, 
you're just kind of going to you're going to start stronger but it mm-hmm. certainly doesn't mean the work is going to be easier mm-hmm. yeah it's no small task to absolutely start a business. not well i always say and i say this to my children as well i said nothing good comes easy i said if it feels too easy it's probably not that good <laughs> you have to work for it you have to work for it yeah but at calvin we work yeah there's no shortage of excellent work <laughs> ethic here i mean mm-hmm. incredible what comes out of this community so yeah it, it's not really it, it maybe doesn't need to be said here but it, it is actually the way i view success there has to be an immense amount of work put mm-hmm. into it to 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 make it feel and make it be very successful mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. How would you describe your company in terms of other other companies in this industry? What was unique about Empire Jane in terms of the way that you were run? Well, that is very interesting. I'm not sure. Like I don't know. I have not had enough eyes and ears in other companies mm-hmm. to know exactly how they might be run to be able to compare. I mean, I can tell you how I was run. You know, I can I can tell you what were the points that were very important to me. I mean, I do think I had a bit of luck in the sense of that point of seeing this need right, and seeing this gap, recognizing it, and being the first one out, right, to have these ideas. Mm-hmm. I do think that was incredibly fortuitous in a way, right? And so, and, and that's something you can't necessarily quantify, right, like h- how you were able to do that or qualify, as the case might be. So yeah, I had I think I had a little bit of luck cuz as soon as I was onto it, people were like, "What a great idea. That's so brilliant. Wow, you know, we should have thought of that." Right? So there was a little bit of that edge, and I do have a kind of personality. I just start. Mm-hmm. I just start. I have the idea. I am not going to sit and do a million business plans and do a, mis- a million business pitches. I will just start. And it reminds me of you know, I had a really amazing housekeeper. She helped me all the years I was there. She helped me raise my kids. She was incredible. And she also had a lot of energy. And I remember every now and then I'd want to change the furniture in my home. And so I'd come into the house and I'd say, okay, today we're going to change the furniture. You know, we're going to move things around. And she'd be like, okay, okay, just give me a few minutes. I'll come and I'll help you. And she would go, you know, and get something else done. And then by the time she was back, I had done it. I had moved all the furniture. Mm-hmm. And she'd be like, why didn't, you, and why didn't you wait for me? And I'm like, no, I can do it. I just wanted to start. And this was really actually the way mm-hmm. I am in life, even now. If I have an idea, I'm just going to start. And sometimes you just need to start. So I would say it was capturing the idea and then just starting, right? Mm-hmm. If I have one machine, if I have one tailor, if I have one idea, I'm just going to start, you know, and let's just go. And as we go and as we're on the journey, we're going to develop and we're going to grow. So I would say that. I would say with the timing of the idea, my personality of just getting in there. I didn't have to wait for everything to be ideal. No, I'm just going to start with one. I think I bring that kind of energy. I think, you know, I got staff who I could see were really committed and who I felt chemistry with, and I felt like we had a really good rapport. And even though I was very much in charge and I was very much the boss, you know, if I, if, to use that word, we had such a good partnership. 
they trusted me very much as the designer and kind of the authority and how things needed to look. And they gave me they were they gave me that respect, right? Mm-hmm. And they gave me that space to kind of yeah, direct in that sense. But I can't sew. I cannot sew. I can barely cut straight. So I also had to then give them the respect mm-hmm. and say, we are partners. And yes, I can see it in my head. And yes, I will come and I will tell you what color I want with what and what I think works here. But I have to leave it in your hands to do it. And we had a beautiful relationship, my team and I. And it was, it was that. I'm going to come. I'm going to give you the idea. I'm going to give you the direction. We'll talk through the how. But you know what? That's, that's only so far. I, that's as far as I can go. And then they took it from there. And I respected their work. I trusted their work. We, you know, we went through like any relationship, ups and downs, having to learn how to work well with each other, manage expectations, all of these things, you know, that's just part of relationships anywhere across mm-hmm. the board. But it was truly a partnership. And they couldn't do it without me, but I certainly could not do it without them. And they made my dreams come true. They, made, they brought my ideas to life. And so that is how I ran my business, very much in partnership with them. And you know, I hope they felt valued, they felt seen. I always said to myself, how would I want to be treated in this mm-hmm. moment? If I was standing here, if I was on that side of the conversation, how would I want to be treated? And that's how I, I, I treated them. Mm-hmm. You know, I called them my family. I called them my brothers. You know, they saw my family grow. They saw when little Marcus was born. They were able to see all these changes in my life. How could they not be my family, mm-hmm. you know? And so I operated like that. I was, I was a very demanding boss. I did not tolerate poor quality work. I did not tolerate poor attitude. There were lots of things they knew they had to do away with. But once we got there, it was a beautiful relationship. And and just, just as I demanded from them, I demanded from myself as a boss. And I always treated them, you know, the way I would want to be treated in, in that moment. And so it was a really good relationship. And I, I would I would want to argue that was probably a key to my success because I did not have high turnover whatsoever. In all 10 years? In all 10 years. I had some turnover. Mm-hmm. There were just some, you know, that didn't work. Yeah. You know, and that's fine too. You know, you're never always going to get a perfect catch all the time. But the ones that remained with me were there from the start. And we were such a core team. It was such, I was so happy when I left that I was able to find other places for them to work and to continue. Amazing talent. I mean, the, the, the work and the talent in Nigeria is incredible. And, you know, I remember having conversations with them and I'm like, you know, every item you make, every single item, I don't know if, I don't care if we make a thousand of the same item, I said every one, every single one has to be done with the maximum amount of attention to detail and quality like the first one. Mm -hmm. I said, you don't know whose home this is going to end up in. 
I said, you don't know whose couch. And they must look at it, and they must look at that one, and they must see that label proudly made in Nigeria. And they must look at the seams, and they must open it out and be like, wow, this is incredible. I said, that's what I want for you. And, you know, so said, so done. The pillows that they made and the items that they made got all the way to the president's house in Nigeria, all the way up there. I mean, dignitaries, um, tycoons, you know, diplomats, Mm -hmm. you know, so, so said, so done, you know, and my hope is that my staff and my tailors are proud Mm -hmm. to know that their work now sits, you know, in the homes and on the couches of some very, very important people who would look at that and be like, wow, amazing, that was made in Nigeria. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a, a theme in your leadership was modeling what you wanted to see done and right treating your staff as you would want to be treated. Absolutely. Right. You know, it's very interesting to me because it's how I live my life and even just yeah, from the point of the consumer. Would I want that pillow in my house? Right? Like that's often how I would look at my items. Like is that something if I went into a shop and I saw that I would say, yeah, actually, I like that. And I want to spend my money on that. Mm -hmm. So I always had that reference of what I wanted. This is how I would want to be treated. Is that what I would want done? It's actually a very good way to live your life. And it's actually a Calvin prof who taught me that. She, when I was here as a student, and I'm very sorry she's no longer here, but I took a philosophy class with her. And she talked about it, and she called it solidarity. And, you know, people can define solidarity as many different things. I think, you know, there's some scope in in how you want to define it. But I just remember getting that definition, right? And it it was a class on sex and gender. And so it was this idea that, sorry, race and gender or something like that. One of those classes on the others in your life, right? And I just remember thinking, yeah, you know, solidarity. And the way she described it was Essentially that, you know, how would you want to be treated if you were that person in that moment? And if you can treat the others in your life, right? So the ones that are not of your sex or not of your race or not of your country of origin or all the other ways we define ourselves and others. If you can in that moment treat or understand, you know, what they might be going through and how they might feel, even in my marriage, even with my children, How does my child feel at this moment? How does my spouse feel at this moment? Can I imagine what that might be like and how would I want to be treated? Mm -hmm. It's actually the key, you know, to relationships. And so, yeah, surely that that was used very, very much in how I dealt with my customers, but more importantly with my staff in the factory, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what is the status of Empire Jane now? Yes. So Empire Jane is frozen. That's the word I've okay. used. It's frozen, so it's no longer operating right now. I was able to sell all my machinery, my space, and all of that. There are a few things still on the market in Lagos, but probably at the, by the end of this year, it'll all be done. But I am just kind of taking time right now to see if I can maybe pivot here in Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. And to see if there's something I can't, if Empire Jane, in a sense, can't be you know, reborn here in West Michigan in some way. I'm not sure. 
she really she she served her, her purpose really well and i am so proud of empire jane there were many times i thought empire jane had to go away and there were many times i thought this is too much work i can't do it i can't balance but she persevered a lot of times again because of my staff and i did not i was like if i stop what would they do this was their livelihood this was this was it meant so much to them and they worked so hard for me so in those low moments when i thought look i can't keep this is hard i thought of them and i also thought of just my friends and people around me who said no you can't stop this is amazing what you do is amazing you you can't take empire jane away so she persevered and she was really good company for me you know for the, those years in lagos so i don't know does she need to maybe go rest for a bit has she done what she needs to do and here on this side of the world maybe there's another job for me to do maybe there's you know more units of positivity that are needed elsewhere mm-hmm. i don't know she'll always be in my heart you know and she'll always be on the couches and in the bags of of people around the world and that makes me really really proud so right now she's taking a little rest you know and we will see yeah if she's ready to c- come back in a, a new iteration here in, in in grand rapids or maybe not i can't say i'm still trying to determine that so we'll see stay tuned i guess okay. i'll say so we're in a waiting period we're in a waiting period yes. exactly okay all right frozen i like that <laughs> okay closing question this can be related to business or not yes but what is one discipline that you practice regularly that feeds your soul yes such a good question so i wish i had more to be honest i wish that i was able to be a little bit more disciplined in many things but rather i think self-care is actually really 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 important and i would say that i'm able to somehow with age i guess like i think now that i'm a little bit older in my like middle age as as they call i really see the value in taking care of myself i i think sometimes we get into this mindset that you have to just grind and grind and grind and everything is about output and output and output and somehow your worth is determined by your grades and how much money you you know and all these measures and it's not mm-hmm. it is absolutely not and what i have learned and what i what i do is i take care of myself you know so i spend time with friends who lift me up and encourage me you know i'm happy to rest i'm happy to say okay you know i've done quite a lot now i'm going to put my feet up i love quality time with my family i think i'm happiest when i'm just with my family they really fill me up and because of that i'm able to go out and you know do the needful mm-hmm. so i need to be better about some other disciplines but i would say in general self care is something that i i spend time on and that is actually very very helpful to me that is good wisdom for students especially absolutely absolutely right. yes the drive to do that is good yes but is not what gives us value it's not right? the end all absolutely no yeah. you must take care of yourselves mm-hmm. yes thank you joanna it's a pleasure all right folks this has been joanna bore with empire jane thank you for listening in and thank you joanna for sharing your story thank you so much for having me mm-hmm. i'm your host lauren and we'll see you next time Thank you.